0: Hi there. Welcome to the Health Analytic Insights Podcast. This podcast is all about creating a community of like-minded individuals who are passionate about the field of health informatics. I hope to share information and advice in topics such as health analytics, digital health, biomedical engineering, and data visualization in healthcare. And in exchange, I would love to hear from you, dear listener, about your experience and interest in this field. You can drop me a line at healthanalyticinsights at gmail.com, and this email, along with any references discussed during this podcast, will be listed in the show notes below. If this resonates with you, don't forget to follow and subscribe to this podcast, as I'll be releasing new episodes bi-weekly.
1: So thank you, Lorraine, for being on the Health Analytic Insights podcast. And on this episode of the podcast, we're going to talk all about uh, user design, user experience, and how it can be applied in healthcare. So first of all, I was just wondering, Florian, if you can give us a bit of your background, um, how you navigated into your role as a Senior Director of Healthcare at Macadamia Technologies. Sure.
2: Well, it's kind of been a, a zigzag um, way to finding myself in this uh, particular role, but as you mentioned, um, I'm Senior Director of Healthcare Strategy at Macadamian. And um, when I say healthcare strategy, it's, it's more from a product strategy and, and user experience strategy um, perspective. So I base, today, I basically help clients, help our clients figure out the problem space and, and what, what they need to do. Uh, in order to create a meaningful product. So meaningful product is one aspect of it and one that actually meets um, their customers or their target end user needs. Um, So so that's basically, in a nutshell, what I I do today. But my background is in user experience research and have been doing uh, design research for over 20 years now. Back when it wasn't called user experience design. <laughs> and it's it's been it's been a really nice um, progression over the years from when I first started in user experience to where I'm at now, because just and and varied background in terms of the areas that I focused on. So I started in telecommunications. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when I was first learning about user experience and usability and and research it was it was definitely in that telecommunications um space Mm -hmm. and then of course over the years just progressed um, because i changed companies and then went into um started working with a a design firm called masquerade associates which was actually ultimately um purchased by macadamia it had a wide variety of, of experience and a bunch of different verticals. So government, security, yeah. airline, finance, and very complex systems as, as we progressively, as the discipline matured, um, more and more got into uh, more complex verticals.
1: Very interesting. And I think that's a good point that you made about like how uh, names and titles and things like that can change over time when it comes to the industry. Um, I think that I'm quite new in the field of health informatics, but I think that if I was going to give advice to my younger self, I would try and tell people to kind of focus more on the technical skills. Um, as you said before, trying to focus on communication skills, I think is really important because I find that in the digital healthcare space, you can be that bridge between the clinical and the technical side. So I think kind of just focusing more on technical skills, communication skills, rather than a specific title. Could be beneficial. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. And so I will. So I just gave you sort of my, you know, experience from the research perspective. But I have to tell you, I did not go to school for user experience research, right, or design. It, mm. it did not exist when I was in university oh my god, 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, So my background, my degree, I have an arts degree with a major in um, English, Mm -hmm. um, but also did psychology. So Mm -hmm. when I graduated, I actually started working for Bell Northern Research, which and then Nortel as a technical writer and editor. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's how I got into high tech. And then as I was uh, because I was forced to try to articulate a product and how to use a product in a way that um, like in the form of a user manual, uh, it became very apparent to me very quickly, wow, this is really bad. <laughs> we are making it really hard for our users. It was that it, it was you know that experience that triggered my change from not really knowing what I wanted to do, right? It was a job out of university, so I took it because I could, it was a direct application from my writing skills into this kind of thing mm-hmm. to exploring this new field of usability mm-hmm. and what that meant. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I could see the gaps in what you know, was being produced by developers and product managers that were just focused on the technology and not really considering the needs of the users, Mm -hmm. um, that I started to do some research uh, around this and actually um, got introduced to um, a design, or sorry, a a course at Carleton University, which was offered at the time by uh, Professor Dick Dillon, who if anybody's going through the human-computer interaction uh, program at Carleton have heard of him. But he offered a course at the time called the psychological aspects of product design. And I took that course and was hooked. And that actually was my um, foray into user experience or usability at the time. And so I I started just basically pushing back. By this point, I was at uh, Newbridge, Newbridge Networks. And I worked with a director at the time who, who was an industrial designer and was very, very cognizant of this as well. And ended up establishing a usability design group um, at Newbridge. So that was my, that's basically how I got into that field in the first place. My education has absolutely nothing to do with user experience, but it's, I think it's the, my community, because this is what triggered me thinking about it, you talking about communication skills. Mm -hmm. So the one thing that people would always say to me is, wow, you can take this information, this research and articulate it in a way that we understand, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So you're making that translation between here's, here's what the research is telling us, and here's how it impacts your product roadmap. Here's how it impacts how you're designing, um, this particular, uh, product. And, um, and that is really just communication skills. It was, it was my writing skills. And then, of course, uh, I would say presentation skills are also really, really key. A- you need to be, mm-hmm. A good communicator, a good presenter, a good facilitator, because one thing I learned very quickly is that just because the data says something, right, look at all this, look at all this rich information, doesn't mean it's going to be accepted Mm -hmm. uh, with open ears or with open arms. So there's a lot of that facilitation and influencing, you know, here's, here's why this is the right decision and working with other multidisciplinary teams
1: yeah that's everything you said is just so spot on and uh definitely something that i'm learning coming out of university and out of um you know my master's just that importance of influence and you could have you know as you're saying the best data in the world um but if you can't communicate that to people in a way in their own language um you know a lot of times it's just useless so yeah definitely i would definitely um implore people to work on their communication skills or presentation skills and, and those um, aspects. I was wondering if you could delve more about user experience des- uh, design, because it, it is quite a new sure. term. Quite It might be a bit of a buzzword, but it's quite a new ter- um, term, but I was wondering if you could tell people a bit more about uh, user experience and like what a, what a typical day might look like for someone in the field. Okay, uh, that's a big question.
2: <laughs> um, well, it's funny. So there's been a progression from, as I said, usability the, or the field of usability um, and design to user experience. Um, and now actually more and more people are calling it human experience design, um, which is, you know, just we just keep layering these things on. But, but basically what it means um, to practice user experience, whether you're a researcher or a designer is to put that focus, is, is you're putting the focus on the target end user, right? So, the, so the, the people who are going to be using the products, but also the people who are purchasing the products, right? Or the decision makers um, for the products. So you're, you're basically putting them at the center and understanding what their specific goals and needs are and understanding the context in which they are using your particular product or service, okay. so so concentrating on on those on those different elements to pull that together into um, a meaningful product or service, something that helps them achieve uh, what it is they're trying to set out to achieve, right? So from so often when you look at the field of user experience. You have uh, researchers, so like myself, with that, that research background. So researchers are typically the ones who are um, trying to, to get that foundational understanding of the users, their context, and, um, and, and what it is they're trying to do with it. Upfront user requirements research could include, you know, uh, in-field studies or ethnography observations, right, In one-on-one interviews at any number of methodologies, uh, researchers have a whole bunch of, met- uh, of tools in their toolkit that they can um, make use of to really get that data and then produce or work with the design team to, uh, to make sure that that information is well understood, right? So you can create personas and usage scenarios and journey maps and ecosystem diagrams, all of that Typically, we try to visually represent in some way so that it can inform the design, inform how the then interaction designers and visual designers take that information to create uh, the information and architecture, the navigational structure, the semantics, right? An understanding of the language is really, really important um, because those are triggers for people as they as they interact with, with the product or service to, to make their way through it and find their way through it. Um, and so the, the designers take that information and, and use it. Uh, in, it's in, their designs are informed by, by that data and iterate. So the designers will absolutely iterate mm-hmm. with internal stakeholders, right? So with if you're working for a product company or a service company, you're iterating with domain you know, subject matter experts and product managers and development, um, because the other thing that designers will want to do is make sure that they're not designing something that cannot be implemented because everything is wasted then, right? And in addition to that, iterate with, again, the target end users or the different stakeholders, so decision makers as well as purchasers. So you always want to make sure that um, the experience Fits the need of the people that are actually going to be using the product, right? So you're not getting in the way. So this is where usability testing comes in. Again, where the researcher comes in to conduct um, that, uh, to conduct the usability testing. Not you don't want designers testing their own designs mm-hmm. um, to uh, validate that that information, that data has been informed in an appropriate way, right? It, it's you haven't introduced any usability issues. You haven't forgotten any specific user requirements. It's efficient to use, effective to use, and satisfying to use. Um, and so that gets iterated with the target end users as well.
1: Yeah, I definitely relate to um, what you were saying. In my previous job, I worked uh, primarily with building uh, dashboards and mm-hmm. My first foray into it, I kind of had this idea of, you know, if they build it, they will come. And that was definitely not the best solution because you can't just build a digital product and then expect people to use it. When I, you know, continuing on with my job, I realized it's very important to have these one-on-one meetings with stakeholders and really sit down and really flush out exactly what product you need to build for their um, especially if they're, they're integrating into their daily job, you can't just, you know, build something. You definitely need um, their um, expertise to kind of guide the way that the project will will run. So definitely, as you're saying, um, mm-hmm. having this these conversations at the beginning before you even start building anything is really exactly.
2: important. Exactly, exactly. Just, I mean, dashboards is a classic example. Everybody wants a dashboard. We're going to present mm-hmm. them with all this information. Right. Um, but the the biggest issue that we see today with dashboards is they haven't, taken that step back to think, well, well, what are people doing with this information? Mm -hmm. What questions are they looking to have answered, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. And then most importantly, so you can provide all this beautiful, visually represented information. But if the end user doesn't know what to do with it, then again, it's not meaningful, right? So you're showing me this, what does that mean? What, what should I be doing as a result of this information? And that's what experience design
1: does. Yeah, that was such a, a good um, explanation of it. And I was wondering if you just could pro- uh, provide a few examples of how user experience is used in healthcare? Oh, <laughs> it's huge.
2: Healthcare, so healthcare is, is at the forefront in many ways and yet uh, behind in many ways. And experience design, human-centered design, is actually so critical in healthcare because we're talking about people's lives, right? Even if you're designing a product for a physician, you want to design it in such a way that you are minimizing, more than minimizing, you are eliminating the risk of error because that can have... uh, it can have a patient-affecting uh, um, outcome, right? And so user experience design and research is being used all over the place. Um, and obviously that's, that's my focus and that's, that's all we do. So when it comes to systems that are being used in the hospital, so electronic health records or medical records, all, there's a ton of different clinical applications to help with specific workflows, for inpatient and outpatient care. And then there's remote health monitoring. So uh, lots of research and design being done in that specific area, which is actually still emerging. So how do we keep connected? How do clinicians keep connected with patients and understand what is happening and try to, to intervene before something escalates, right, to reduce the number of ER visits, for instance. Mm -hmm. Um, Or just, yeah, just overhaul uh, prevention from a a remote health monitoring perspective. And then, of course, you have a patient or I I hate to say patient because we're not patients, right? We we might have some health condition at some point, but we're all humans, Mm -hmm. (laughs) people. But there are different digital health apps um, out there to help support people in their their health journey. I'd say healthcare in general is very critical um, in terms of needing human-centered design um, experts to make sure, again, that you're creating something that is frictionless, reduces errors or eliminates them altogether. And on the positive side, actually encourages or helps realize patient outcomes. Right. Mm-hmm. So patient engagement, keeping them to a specific um, treatment plan and ultimately um, helping them improve their their own health health outcomes.
1: Awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about to like to see the future of all these um, digital health apps. And this kind of segues nas- uh, nicely into my last question with the rapid adoption of telehealth and other digital health platforms uh, due to the pandemic. Where do you hope to see the field of healthcare and user experience move in the future?
2: Yeah, there's a lot going on. I mean, telehealth has been around for a long time, but Mm -hmm. it was always lagging. And COVID has, as you said, escalated the adoption. And so what I would like to see is this actually change. I'm hoping it changes what was uh, accepted as common practices before now. Right. And it, and it requires changes at a bunch of different levels, not just physicians being able to offer it to us, right? Instead of going in, in person, let's have a virtual visit first and figure out maybe you just need to go to get some blood work first. And then we'll maybe have an in person if the blood work is telling us, you know, that we have to look at something specifically. So that's a, that's a change in practice, but we also need insurance to change too, to be able to reimburse patient or physicians. That for for the work that they're doing over using these types of tools because they're still providing patient care, even if they're not face to face in a physical environment, it's it's still they're still providing patient care. So our our policies and procedures I'm hoping um, will change going forward. So that's one thing. But on the other side, I I, I mean I think the opportunities for innovation in healthcare are. Are boundless, digital therapeutics. We're we're really just scratching the surface um, in terms of digital therapeutics. So you know, for let's say you get diagnosed with diabetes, and there's a lot of diabetes apps out there. But but what we want to move to is a you know you you have a visit with your physician, um, and maybe you need medication. But instead of just medication, you actually are prescribed a digital app, and that mm-hmm. app helps you with that specific, with your treatment plan, right? Mm So, so it's not just relying on the medication and you checking in with your doctor every six months or a year and finding out you haven't changed anything Mm -hmm. um, to this, this whole sort of change in philosophy where you're supported by this digital therapeutic. And that can extend to anything, right? Schizophrenia, other mental health, common and uncommon issues, rehabilitation, you have knee surgery, and you're typically told, okay, here's what you need to do. And, you know, come back and see me in two weeks. Well, a a digital app would be helpful in terms of tracking to make sure you're doing those exercises, right to to help to help um, increase the odds that you'll achieve the outcomes, the best Mm -hmm. outcome you can possibly get after having just had surgery. So I think digital therapeutics and basically just in general, remote health monitoring is going to be, you know, 10 10 years from now. Certainly more pervasive, but not in a creepy way, but in terms of, you know, things are just kind of happening in the background. And so, so that you can, it's so that you, it, they can, the apps can focus more on preventative um, interventions mm-hmm. versus, oh, you have this, now we have to treat. And I really think and hope that that's the future of healthcare.
1: Now, I'm really excited also about the preventative care piece of it, allowing patients to have a bit of, I guess, power in, on their own side to manage um, their diseases as well. And I'm also really interested to see how they're going to go with the whole vaccine rollout when it comes to COVID-19 and how they'll notify people for the second dose. Um, So I think that we're really in an interesting time when it comes to healthcare and all the um, digital platforms and how they're integrate um, to each other. I think one of the biggest issues that might arise is interoperability, how we can connect Mm -hmm. all these different devices because we have like patient-generated data and then we have data from the lab. And so I think- um, that would probably be a big issue um, going forward in the future, but I think... It's an issue now. And <laughs> <laughs> It's been yeah. in the past as well, too. Exactly. Yeah. But I think uh, going forward, if we could um, tackle this, it would be amazing to see how we can integrate all these different um, data sets and and hopefully it can drive uh, patient outcomes. Um, yeah. But they-
2: I, I have to say, I mean, one of the things that got me into healthcare and focusing on healthcare, aside from it's really meaningful stuff, you feel like you're making a difference, Mm -hmm. was in part because of my dad, who is a heart transplant recipient. Mm -hmm. But over his health journey, he was quite young when he had a massive heart attack. um, And so went through a lot of different hurdles, even before, you know, it was another seven or eight years before he got a heart transplant. And the frustrating thing at the time was anytime there was an event that landed him in the hospital, we had to go back over his history all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And there, even though the Heart Institute had his information, where he went in um, to emerge, didn't have his information. Mm -hmm. And we were constantly, and things would get missed, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And it would take a lot longer to, even though you'd say, look at, call the Heart Institute, they have the information. They still had to do that rigmarole (laughs) Mm -hmm. to get all the information um And it was really frustrating for experience for him and for us as caregivers to have to repeat and then remember all the medications because they didn't have the full medication list to now when you can go in and they can see that history, right? They can, exactly. I mean, it's not, it's not perfect, mm-hmm. but we're getting there. And the experience over the past 10 years the patient experience, and hopefully, um, the the clinician experience has gotten better. And I I mean, there's a lot left to do. But I think we're, we're on the right track.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, uh, thank you so much, Lorraine, your expertise and uh, providing so much value for us on this episode of the podcast. And I thank you so much. I learned a lot from this conversation.
2: Well, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it.